You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Ray, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Man, it's good to have you on the program. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. I'd love for you to share a bit about your backstory, Ray, but before you do, please tell us what you do right now. Right now, I'm an identity coach. My wife, Catherine, and I, we lead out Faith by Grace Ministries, and and we specialize just in helping people get to know themselves and helping give their heart a choice in those areas where they've been stuck and they've been in fear, shame, and guilt. And in reality, their heart hasn't had a choice because they're stuck. So we just help them. I do that with identity coaching. I do it with grief coaching. And I do it with couples coaching where I just help people get to know themselves, get to know who God truly created them to be, and allow their heart to be able to choose redemption and choose the life that God created. That's powerful. I love the word choose because so many Mm -hmm. people feel they don't have a choice, don't they? Yeah, we're stuck. And I, I don't think you can actually have, that's one of the things that the Lord's been telling me lately is that even in the garden, there was choice, you know, so there was still choice so that you can't have real freedom without choice mm. is the way that I see it. And that's what I offer people is simply the ability to get to know themselves and give their heart a choice. How did you wind up in this space? Tell us a bit about your backstory. So I grew up in a very interesting home, but we all have. We we all have our issues that we grew up with. And with our with our family, what I grew up in is just a generational pattern of poverty is kind of what hit my family line, poverty, addiction, and mental illness. So it was an interesting, really interesting childhood where I was a very depressed child, very hurting and confused child, didn't grow up in the church, didn't have any interest in faith. And at some point when my wife came to faith, I actually asked the Lord, you know, if you're real, make yourself known to me. And and in a vision at some point, he did. But before that, it was a mess, Brian. I mean, I did whatever I could to numb myself. I had my own issues. I didn't, I didn't face my issues. I would just stuff things down as hard as I could, as much as I could, thinking I'm dealing with it by just stuffing it and moving forward. And, and that was just my pattern of just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. But at one point, I, I broke and went into a full depression is why I do what I do. Then we were missionaries with Campus Crusade for Christ when I broke and went into a full depression. That happened, Ray, right in the middle of being missionaries with that ministry, this full-on depression, right? Yeah, I was on staff with a church. I was a missionary with Campus Crusade. We did relational mentoring and discipleship with a ministry called Life Builders. That's a part of Campus Crusade. It's called Crew now, but at the time it was Campus Crusade for Christ. And so while we were missionaries and I was on leadership with the church, what happened is we took our daughter back to school. She had been homeschooled since third grade and she wanted to go back to public school. And we went to the meet the teachers before school started just kind of experiencing the routine of what to expect. And for some reason, just being in school again, being in that area, because my daughter was 15, going back into high school, 15 is the same year where I tried to kill myself in my teenage years because the depression was so bad and I was so hopeless. And school was just a big reminder of me of 
just how miserable I was back then. Mm-hmm. And there was a simple thought I had when I was there at school, which was it wouldn't have been that difficult for my parents to be involved in my life. What I was doing with my daughter wasn't that big of a deal. And that thought of just helping my daughter out and it wouldn't have been a big deal for my parents to to help me out with stuff when I was a teenager opened up all the stuff I had packed away from childhood. And I went into a full depression, couldn't even think straight. Wow. My wife had to drive me places. I was debilitated in so many ways. I, I was the guy at church that greeted everybody at the door, talked to everybody, was carrying on multiple conversations, interacting. Then I became the guy that's hiding behind the post, not able to really talk to anybody at church, not able to even drive. I was so debilitated. So so it was a tough time. And at the time, I was still, I mean, I was fully in a massive depression and I didn't even quite catch it then because of my patterns of denial were so bad at that time of just trying to stuff. And and someone recommended that I go meet with a friend of theirs who prays with people. And to be honest with you, I, I didn't even have any faith in it. I, I didn't have any expectation of anything happening because I had been praying. What What's going and praying with somebody else going to do? Yeah, I had friends of mine praying for me, but I didn't understand the intentional focused inner healing model of really trying to resolve the issues that are going on instead of just kind of covering them with nice words. And so I went and met with the gentleman that that my friend recommended. And it was an intense, matter of fact, he calls them intensive. So it was a two and a half day long experience of me sharing my story and then praying through it and then dealing with just repentance and, and coming up with, with the areas of my heart where I needed to forgive and really just facing that. And I had this massive breakthrough while I was down there, which I did not expect. I had no expectation while I was headed down there. I just fully expected I'll go down and do this thing and then I'll come back and get on, get a counselor and get on medication if I have to. I'm going to check the box, right? I'm just going to go check the box with this guy. I don't have any expectations. What do I have to lose? Yeah, I had nothing to lose at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I just went and did that. And man, I had this full-blown encounter with Jesus down there. It was unbelievable, Brian. And it depends on where everybody is that's listening. But I've had multiple prophetic encounters with Jesus through my life. And I didn't know I was prophetic growing up, my, my family dealt with a lot of actually in my family it's one of the things i talked they were on the opposite side of the tracks on the prophetic movement so they were so they moved in the prophetic but it wasn't on god's side is what i would say so so i i actually used to get a lot of information that i just didn't know why i had that information and my kids would joke around when we'd play games and say dad don't use your superpowers you know (laughs) you're not allowed to use your superpowers because i would just know things and i didn't know what that was and i just didn't understand the prophetic but actually having this encounter with Jesus opened me up into a whole nother level of understanding how God is speaking truth to us and healing us. And I had this full-blown reconciliation with my mother, who was the main intentional, I would say, aggression in my childhood because she sadly was an alcoholic, narcissist, very wounded woman who, thank God, came to faith two weeks before she died. Wow. Very beautiful story that happened there. But there was a lot of aggression in my childhood with her, a lot of anger and hatred I had for her packed away. I didn't know that. Here, I'm a missionary with Campus Crusade. I'm not walking around in my mind thinking consciously that I'm so angry with my mother. But when we went into prayer and we hit some of those deep compartmentalized areas of my childhood, 
there was pure hatred for that woman that was in there. There was anger and I had to get it out with Jesus and I had to forgive her and release her. And when I did, I was fully reconciled to her Mm. with Jesus. I actually got to meet visually in an encounter with Jesus. I got to meet the woman that, that God created her to be. And I was reconciled to her. It was a beautiful experience. And I just fully released her and forgave her. And I actually got released of the depression. And this is one of those things I know not everybody really agrees with this type of miracle that can even happen, but it happened for me. I know it happened. I was different. I was in a full depression. I had this experience. I was able to forgive my mother. I was reconciled to her. I released the pain, hurt, and trauma I was holding on to. I was reconciled to myself, and I came back, and I was not depressed. And I've never been at that level of depression again. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I deal with emotional mood swings. I I swing, I have a mood disorder, right, that I've dealt with all my life from the abuse, but I'm getting better all the time. I've had miracle after miracle, and I swing low and I swing high, Mm -hmm. but I've never been that deep again, ever, never to the intensity of that. I just have bad days now, just like we all do, but I have not dropped into a full depression again since that day. And I came back and just driving home, what really hit me was, If I can be healed, anybody can be healed. And that is what started me pursuing the idea of going from just discipleship and mentoring and going around the mountain with people, trying to convince them of information to actually being able to go into their heart and help them go into that, those compartments of unresolved trauma so that they can be free of the lies that they believe and connect and understand the structures of self-protection that they've developed over the years that keep them stuck reliving the trauma and then give their heart a choice of what's available. And it's just developed over the years and it's just where my heart has taken me. It's where God has taken me. I love doing this. I love watching people get set free and I love being more free myself. And I'm telling you, I'm on a journey. There's a reason why I do this ministry, and there's a reason I'm really good at it, is what I tell people. And it's not because I've already got all my stuff figured out, and it's not because I, I just studied this and, and was emotionally and mentally healthy. You know, I have to pause here, and I'm just thinking of people listening to this right now, and they're ready to shut off this episode and say, oh, Right. I'm going to go back again. I hear this all the time. I've got mommy issues or daddy issues. Do I really have to go back in my past? The answer is what, Ray? I would say no. You don't have to go back into your past because I don't do that with people. I don't go back into your past. We deal with the lies you are believing today about your past. Do you see the difference? Because it doesn't matter. Your past doesn't matter right? It's like what matters is what you're believing today. So so we do compartmentalize and all of us do because if you don't look exactly like Jesus, you are believing lies and you are self-protecting. So you can make whatever excuse you want to make because believe me, I'm good at that. <laughs> like I told you, I used to stuff, denying yeah. stuff. That's what I did. So I'm not about going back into your past, dealing with memories and stuff like that, even though sometimes the compartment you're storing the lie-in is a memory, but it's not always. That's the thing that people think a lot of times we're doing memory work, and it's not. We compartmentalize in hundreds of different ways. One of the ways I describe it, just to, to help people understand, it's almost how we store boxes in our basement or in our garage of old experiences or old stuff, You know, just like 
like we do in the natural. Like the Lord says, if you can't even get this in the natural, how are you going to get this in the supernatural? <laughs> so, so here we are, this idea that I help people go through the compartments, the boxes that you're storing in the basement of your heart. And some of these boxes were just handed down to you, right? You just inherited them. You've never even really opened up that box. Mm -hmm. It just got handed down to you. Generational patterns, cultural abuse, religious abuse. There's all kinds of ways that we've experienced trauma. And this is where, for me, Brian, the, the difference, trauma itself isn't the problem. Right. Trauma is a distressing or disturbing experience, right? We experience those all day, multiple times a day in different ways. It can just be a shock of a dog barking you weren't ready for or someone pulling out in front of you, right? There's trauma all day long. But the trauma that matters is the trauma that gets linked with a lie. And that becomes unresolved trauma. And then we compartmentalize that. And we also, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, where the enemy lied to Adam and Eve in the garden and told them that you surely won't die if you eat the fruit, they believed the lie, right? So that was the actual problem. My opinion, Brian, that was the original sin, is believing the lie of the enemy. Now, they manifested that into actual action by believing it, and they ate the fruit. So what I do is I help people find out what are those lies that are in there. Just like Adam and Eve had, they believe the lie of the enemy. The enemy is lying to you, and somehow he's tricked you into believing some of those lies. And I know for some of us, it's like, no, I'm a believer. I believe the entire gospel. And I just need to remind you, if you did, you'd look like Jesus, and you don't. You do sometimes. I do sometimes. Right. We don't always look like Jesus because sometimes we're manifesting the lies, the wounds, and the unresolved trauma that we have. So what I help people do is just like Adam and Eve, when they believed the lie, they not only ate of the fruit, they also started self-protecting in fear, shame, and guilt. They hid in fear, they covered themselves in shame, and they blamed each other in guilt. And we do the same exact thing anywhere that we are experiencing fear, shame, and guilt. It's a manifestation of our lies. It's not someone else doing that to us. Even though sometimes people are trying to do that to us, they can't. They can try, but it's our manifestation. It's our structures of self-protection that are actually happening. So of those three, Ray, I'm curious, fear, shame, and guilt, what do you tend to deal with the most in your coaching? I got to be honest with you, it's mixed. It's really mixed. It's the idea like, like the fear is affecting your authority in life, mm -hmm. right? The shame is affecting your identity. And the guilt is affecting your community. So that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So what he is trying to do is steal your identity, kill your authority, and destroy your community. So those are the three main things he's doing there for mm -hmm. all of us. So he's doing it by trying to actually just cause you to not believe who you are, not believe who God created you to be, not believe the authority and the calling and the gifting that you were created with, and for you not to be able to trust others or God so that you're isolated, you're alone, you're helpless, and you're powerless. That's what the enemy's trying to do. All of us are doing the best we can with what we have, and we're all dealing with those unresolved traumas we have compartmentalized in our heart. And they manifest. You want to see where they manifest the most? Where? Is in the most intimate relationships you have with your spouse will be the your spouse will be the most dysfunctional relationship you have. Those will be the areas where you see yourself trigger off the most because they have access to your heart that other people don't have. 
Mm-hmm. So they're touching those boxes in the basement that other people don't have access to. And then from there, it'll be immediate family, close friends. We even develop our friendships based off of our dysfunctions a lot of times so that we can stay re- reliving and re-experiencing that unresolved trauma because we can even get addicted to the way those emotions feel because those are just chemical reactions in our body. So some of the structures that we create to self-protect actually keep us reliving the unresolved trauma and finding relationships that will inspire that feeling. Unfortunately, that's one of the ways the enemy has helped us destroy our community. Self-sabotage. Yes. Well, let's talk about some of the testimonies that you have with respect to people being set free. Please share a couple. I literally see people set free of of massive trauma stuff that they've been dealing with, even to the point of becoming diagnosed with either personality or emotional disorders or mental illness. I've seen people set free of the self-protections that get them diagnosed in a certain way. Mm. So I've seen people that could actually no longer even agoraphobic people that couldn't even come out of the house, couldn't just dealt with fear and anxiety, had all these issues of these voices in their head challenging them and speaking to them about everything. I've seen people that no longer have voices in their head, that no longer deal with that. I've seen people that I've worked with people that have PTSD, complex PTSD, that are no longer suffering from that and actually don't have the same kind of reaction in situations. So it really doesn't matter what the issue is. It's all based off of a lie and a self-protection, right? So, So what I've found, it doesn't even really matter the intensity of the trauma. But I've seen people who've actually were unable to be in relationships, unable to even even interact with other people who are now moving forward in healthy relationships and even romantic relationships and moving forward in their lives. People that that could barely get out of their house and are now running businesses and have a family. But one that's coming to my mind, I still remember I, I spoke with this person who was dealing with deep depression and painful issues. And I did a session with them a couple years ago, a few years ago. I don't remember the exact timing, but it was about a year later they came back for another session. And I, I always like to ask them, it's like, hey, how's it been since since our last session? And, mm-hmm. and they're like, ah, it's been better. And I'm like, well, you know, hey, what does that mean? Could you qualify that? What do you mean by what is better? And one of the things is that they said is they were like, well, I'm able to actually make decisions in my life and I wake up and I don't want to kill myself every morning. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, that's better. That's better, Brian. That is so much better. Just the idea, because it's different for everybody, though. Everybody's dealing with fear in some way. If it's could be fear of you taking that next step, fear of you letting yourself be creative, fear of you being you, fear of people, fear of whatever it is. But I see people set free of that so that they can actually believe in themselves and move forward in their life. So specific testimonies. And plus, I try to be a little bit, I try not to share people's stories at all sure. in the sense because it's their story. It's their right to to share that. And that's one of the things I'm going to try to do on my podcast is have people on that actually have had sessions with me so they can share their testimony. Mm-hmm. They can share their healing encounter. So that'll actually be happening in a few months where I'll be interviewing people so that they can specifically share what happened with them and how it's changed their life. Oh, that's fantastic. If you're open to this, would love to hear the approach you take. I was a salesperson for Johnson & Johnson for years. Most of my time was spent in the operating room. And every surgeon has a little different approach 
when they start doing their procedure. So what do you tend to lead with when you start chatting with people? Well, when I chat with people, for one, I'm a little bit different than the average person because even though your story is important and what happened to you is important, the details of what happened to you in the trauma are not the pieces that bring you freedom. So I start off without getting any information from somebody with, because I'm like talking about that. I'm a heart surgeon is what I am. So I'm going right in to get the issue is what I'm doing. So I don't need all the information about somebody's life to do this. So really what I've learned to do is I literally ask Holy Spirit to spin it up. Where do we need to start? That's it. Uh, you don't even need to know anything when you come to see me. You don't need to be prepared. You don't have to know where to start. Some people come in with an open wound. Some people are really hurting and they have an issue. Sure. So we start there. We start because that's what's up. But Holy Spirit knows you better th than you know yourself. So I simply just ask him, Holy Spirit, where do we need to start? And it'll be something. It'll either be a thought, a feeling, a sensation, a picture, an imagination, an impression. Mm -hmm. Could be a memory. Mm -hmm. Could be a anything at all. But somehow, all I do is I ask people to just perceive and report, and we trust Holy Spirit. And literally every single time, every single time I sit with somebody, they experience the truth of God. They experience freedom, and they get to find out what lies they're believing and how they're self-protecting and what's available. Yeah, this reminds me of a conversation I had with Norris Williams, who does a lot of identity coaching. And he experienced as a missionary a huge breakthrough when he recognized it's not about the process, the apologetics, the polemics. It's about setting the table. Just set the table and ask the Lord, what do you want to do? Yeah. Well, where do we need to start? Is it a memory? And the thing is also, one of the things I like to share with people, I've worked with probably over 7,000 people over the years. I've never had somebody come up with a memory that they didn't already know about. That's never happened in over 7,000 people I've worked with. So usually what I try to tell people, if, if it's a memory that you're storing the lie in, you already are reminded of it every single time you trigger into that emotion. Every time you experience that painful, hurtful emotion, you're reminded of a particular memory. And the weird thing is, Brian, is it doesn't even have to make sense to the situation. That's why the details don't matter. The lie you're storing in the particular memory doesn't actually have to make sense to the details of the memory. And that's why we try to rationally and logically figure this out. And we do not store information rationally and logically or sequentially. And that's why I have to help people to just simply report and not try to understand it, not try to control it. And one of the reasons why we can't actually process this on our own is because we discount the information we get so much. And what I really just try to do, Brian, is help people just like the faith of the mustard seed. When Jesus said, hey, if you had a faith of a mustard seed, you could move mountains, you could move these trees, you know, we'd have power over everything that's in our way mm -hmm. if we had the faith of a mustard seed. And that was the thing that the Lord shared with me is that it's not an amount of faith, right? Because that's one of the things we hear all the time is like, oh, I need more faith. It's not an amount of faith. It's a purity of faith. The mustard seed knows two things. It knows who it is and it knows who God is. And that's all it needs to know. And it does who it is because it believes who it is. And if we can actually have that faith, that's the thing that I help people. 
who are you and who is God? That's it. Everything else you will add on as needed when you believe the truth of who you are and the truth of who God is. Mm-hmm. When we have that information, and that's what all those things that have got in there, I help people just kind of go through to get that information to find out what is it I actually believe. Because the things that we believe, we don't even necessarily agree with in our conscious thinking. Someone listening to this is like, well, I'd like to do some self-evaluation, some self-care here. How important is journaling and just not editing your thoughts and trying to get stuff out in the open? Journaling is an amazing way to just freeform express yourself, to get information. But information isn't always transformation. So I never journal. I'm just going to let you know. I don't do it. I'm not a journaler. So don't think you got to make yourself do something that's not natural to you. You do you. I express myself in conversation with God is what I do. And I get revelation as I do that. But the best thing is just literally asking God questions and, and listening. We've been so trained to not listen. It's so sad. For sure. One of the most common things, and this is a sad situation, Brian, one of the most common things I deal with people that have grown up in the church, have been brought up in the church when I work with them, is what we'll do is I'll, I'll walk people through just asking Jesus a question and ask them to just report what comes to their mind. First impression, mm-hmm. what happens? And so often what I deal with, especially people that have grown up in a conservative church is what they will do is they'll ask the question and then they'll ask the question over again and then they'll ask the question over again. And what I've found what I, over the time what the Lord showed me was that what we do so often when we're talking to Jesus is that we will just continually repeat the question over and over again until we figure out an answer. And if we don't figure it out, we believe that God didn't answer us. And it's really the thing that changes is training people to listen and to report. Pay attention to those nuances. What's really happening when you ask Jesus a question? Follow it. Where is it? Where do you go? Now, you don't always get truth when you ask Jesus a question because your heart doesn't always let Jesus answer. That's why you actually just have to find out what is the information. Because when I work with people and we ask Jesus, hey, what's the truth of my identity? Sometimes the heart is so stuck in the lie, it'll just report itself and say, hey, I'm the biggest loser in the world. Now, you know, Jesus isn't telling you that, right? Yeah. So so we'll, we would discount it. It's like, oh, God's not talking to me. He's like, no, it's just your heart won't listen right there because it's so wounded. It's so hurting. It doesn't even trust Jesus. And so we have to give ourselves permission to know that our heart is even protecting in some of these areas from Jesus. And if it wasn't, we would look exactly like Jesus already, Brian, right? So we just have to kind of get rid of our religious box of what we should look like as a good Christian, what it should be, what it could be. It's like, no, let's deal with what's really happening. I'm really throwing a fit here. I'm really acting like an eight-year-old child in this moment because I'm still stuck in an unresolved trauma from when I was eight. And that's that's what we actually just have to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. And if we can find the information of what we actually believe, because what, what I found is, is that people behave out of what they believe. Now, the problem with that is, is we don't know what we believe and we don't believe what we know, right? We know the gospel, yeah. we've heard the gospel, but we don't really believe the gospel we know. And we don't really know the lies we believe about the gospel. So what I do is help people get that information. So I just help people actually get the information so that they can be free and their heart can have a choice. When you said should, could, I just think of the statement I've heard, should leads to shame. All the shoulds 
oh, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't feel this way. I should be doing this. And all these expectations, and then you fall short because of the shoulds, and then you drop your head and you walk in shame when the opposite's available. Yeah. The shoulds will eat your lunch is what's going to happen. That's just what happens in every situation. I see it over and over again where people, I should be able to do this. I should be able to do that. And the thing is, you know, if I was fully walking in faith, yeah, I should. I could. I would. But I'm not. So let's deal with what's really happening. That's what I try to tell people. Let's deal with what's really happening. Give yourself compassion. Have the compassion for you that you would for any other person that was wounded and hurting. And actually, let's find out what's going on. Yes. The self-compassion seems to be so lacking. We just flagellate ourselves when we make a mistake. How does somebody switch from self-flagellation, just beating oneself up, to being kind in the way we speak to ourselves? What have you found? Well, my my biggest tool is to actually just take the time to find out what it is I believe mm-hmm. that's causing me to beat myself up. Because if I have created a structure, an internal structure that automatically beats myself up when the lie gets triggered, I can I can try to be nice to myself all I want, but I have that program still running. And let me let me explain what I mean by that, Brian. What I have found is, is just like with Adam and Eve, there was the lie they believed, and then there was the fear, shame, or guilt that automatically kicked in after that. Now, with that, the way I described it, if you think about just computers, we use computers all day long, or your phone, whatever it is, but there is like the button you press would be the lie, right? Mm-hmm. Something presses the button. And, and we're the ones that set those parameters up. No one else ever triggers us. We choose the setup of what will trigger us. We've done that. We created that programming. We created that baseline programming. But when that button gets pressed, that self-protection, it's like an automatic subconscious program of fear, shame, or guilt that runs. And beating yourself up most likely would be guilt, right? Mm-hmm. is what that is. So that guilt is going to punish you because you aren't right in some way. So the lie gets triggered, you beat yourself up. So I can try to impose nice things. I can try to practice speaking nice things over me. And if you can reprogram your brain, because there is psychological training on that, but just positive thinking on its own doesn't work because that'll create cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. is a whole nother issue that we run into where we're actually causing problems, where we have one issue going on on the inside and we're pretending something else. So I'm always about, let's find out what's really happening. Like if I am beating myself up for some issue, if I'm hard on myself about something, there's a lie I'm believing about myself or God, and that's why that's happening. So if I can get that information, find out what am I actually believing? Then I can find out what is the subconscious program I've also created that is actually beating myself up or you know self-sabotage or whatever it is. I can find out the truth of who I am. Who, who did God create me to be in that area of my heart? And then I can find out what would I have if I didn't believe the lie and I didn't actually have to operate in the self-sabotage. What would be different? Then my heart has a choice, right? I believe a renewed heart will always choose truth. But if, if we've packed it away, we've locked it away, we don't know what it is, and we won't even be honest with ourselves that we're believing that, there's no way to get free of that. Because denial, you, you denial never works. You can never actually get freedom from denial and experience freedom from denial because you can't get healed of something you don't have. So if you won't face it, 
You won't deal with it in real life. You can't process it and let God give truth to you in that area and give your heart a choice. I'm circling back on your experience where you dug into your relationship with your mother and it didn't take weeks and months for a breakthrough. You went through a certain process, in your case, very specific, with forgiveness being part of that, and you saw a breakthrough, correct? Yeah. And I'm saying that just to encourage whoever's listening to this, oh my gosh, am I going to have to go through this for days and weeks and months? Now, there's layers of processing that I do with people, to be honest with you. And what I do when I work with people, it's about an hour and a half, two hours. So I've taken what I've learned and just refined it. Mm Because again, I don't do the details. It's my style. Other people do different style. But my style that works for me is we find out what you actually believe. Hour and a half, two hours, I guarantee you, it'll be one of the most transforming experiences of your life. Love it. You will get to know yourself. You will get freedom. You will know why you do certain patterns. You will know what the actual structure is that's in place, why it's happening, how it got established. You will know the truth of who you are and who God created you to be in that area of your heart where you're doing those loops. And you'll know what's available if you didn't have to be stuck in those loops. So your heart now has a choice. There's like every single person I work with, there's more freedom. Now there's some people that I've worked with and Actually, for some reason, it just reminds me, Doug Addison actually shares his testimony. That one just popped in my head. Mm-hmm. There's some people I work with, you know, I mean, he's just a huge, powerful prophetic voice, a pillar in the renewal movement and the prophetic movement. He came to me because he was dealing with some really painful issues, some, some chemical sensitivity. It's, it's like he was dying. And God actually, we had met like maybe a year ahead of time and I never did any work with him, but he was in this really bad place and God reminded him of me. And we had a session, again, over Zoom, I had one session with him. And what happened is with that session, we got to this deep place in his heart where there was freedom. And then he started applying the principles that that we got from that session. And within a couple of weeks, he was healed and he doesn't have that issue anymore. And so he shares this testimony, this huge, amazing testimony that he says that Jesus and me partnered together and saved his life, you know, is one of the ways that he says it. So, So it changed his life in this one event. And he started applying the principles of truth into his life. But I've worked with some people where it's it's layer upon layer. Does that make sense? Sure. So it's you might have an issue that gets major freedom, but you have multiple structures that work together to to create the situation. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with some people where it maybe takes a couple of weeks of sessions or maybe, you know, and I'm just once a week or once every two weeks is really what I work with people. Sometimes I've worked with people over a period of time, six months, and then they'll actually then see me maybe once a year after that, or or just for a checkup kind of thing. But it's different for everybody. And I've never had anybody ever experience exactly what I experienced in my encounter. Interesting. You know, I literally got to meet the woman I was, that my mother was created to be. I've never had somebody else ever have that happen. Ever. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, what God's going to do is he's going to reveal to your heart and he's going to work with your heart in exactly what you need, not what I needed. And so we can't compare every encounter, everything that happens with you is exactly what you need, what your heart needs to hear. And, and, and you can have a miraculous transformation and also then begin to learn how to apply these into your life. Because that's one of the things I'm working on right now, Brian, is a resource called Maturing Into Yourself. Because once we get healed in these areas, we're immature. 
if you were emotionally three years old in that area of your heart where you have had an unresolved trauma that you got healed of, you are still emotionally three years old when you get healed. You just now get to be you and you didn't before because you created this system. So you knew how to do this other thing, but you didn't know how to be you in that area of your heart. So now you need to mature into yourself and be able to be free in your heart. And it takes some practice. This is all such incredible stuff here, Ray. How can people find out more about you and potentially book a session to connect? Well, my website is faithbygrace.org. That's our website. And I'm on, we're also on Facebook. Faith by Grace Ministries is on Facebook. And uh, for Instagram, I do like an ongoing kind of micro blog on Instagram and it's just Raymond Light and it's L-E-I-G-H-T. So that's how you can access, see information, see who we are, see what I do and, and do identity coaching to help you deal with any issues that you're dealing with where you're stuck in fear, shame, or guilt. I do you know, grief coaching to help you process what's going on anywhere that you're stuck in an issue, unable to process grief and you're still stuck in the misery of it. That's why I actually work with people there because, you know, when our house burned, I triggered off into the worst grieving process I've, I've ever experienced when we lost our house. And so I turned that into a resource for people called Finding a New Normal. So that's available. Our resources are available on our website also. And I do couples coaching because like I told you, the, the most dysfunctional relationship you have is with your spouse. And that's everybody because that's where the connections are. That's where the most connections are. So what I do is I help people actually see how the lies they believe and the structures they have in place fit together and, and how you guys trigger each other and stay in those loops together so that you can be healed in that area, find out the truth of who you are, how God created you to fit together and the life you actually have available. So, and I see tons of people set free in, in there. And that's, that's a glorious thing to watch God bring healing in those areas. And then you understand the patterns of destruction that the enemy has slipped into your relationship. I'm so grateful that God has pointed you in this direction to help so many people. And I bet you're seeing with the opening up of everything, all kinds of things coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, with respect to all that we've chatted about. It was an interesting time for lockdown. Just think about that, that you're locked down and you're forced to interact without all your distractions that you've had before with the people that trigger you more than anybody else. So there was tons of opportunity for freedom to find out what's really going on. And it's never too late. Freedom is available. That's what I want to share with people. I, I see, I've worked with people that are in their 70s or 80s even that were stuck in childhood wounds and had lived out most of their life as an abused, wounded little five-year-old kid that were set free and now actually can be free. So it doesn't matter what age you are, you can be free. And being free now is better than still being stuck in that old loop of pain, trauma, fear, shame, and guilt. Wow. So good. Well, I'd love for you, Ray, to pray for our listeners before we finish up here today. Yeah, man. Thanks again, Brian. I really appreciate just the opportunity to chat and share. I love talking about what I do. So Lord, I do everybody hearing this. I just do want you to hear that you matter, who you are matters, that God created you for a purpose, that you are the joy that was set before Jesus when he went and endured the cross. He cares about you. He created you. He wants you to be free. And Lord, I just ask for the inspiration, the persistence, the, the drive to actually 
pursue you more, Lord, just that they get to know who they are and who you are. Everybody that hears this, there would just actually maybe just be a supernatural lifting of those areas where there are lies, just that they can actually just understand what they are, repent and move forward. And and if that isn't just happening right now, miraculously, I ask that they would have the inspiration to pursue freedom and healing in whatever way will work for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Ray. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.